country house is probably enjoying his oats or whatever and just like chilling. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Filling Station podcast. Whether you're on a break or on a walk or getting a cup of coffee, you can drop in and listen to me, Lindsay, and my little sister, Mallory, tell you some positive, fun, uplifting stories to help you get through these weird times. We can all use some positive vibes. Good day. (laughs) Good day to you. How are you doing today? I'm really good. Good. That's what I like to hear. Yep. I'm going to have some tuna today for lunch. Continuing on with the (laughs) tuna stories. Too much tuna. Too much tuna talk on here again. (laughs) oh my gosh yeah man if you were on your uh on your actual honeymoon right now you'd be having that fresh fresh seafood down there in aruba you're right oh my gosh it only makes sense drinks and reading some books and lounging and Mm. i've actually taken um some days off this week just to have a little bit of paid time off and um i haven't done a ton of lounging yet but it's been nice it's nice being off anywhere is is always good (laughs) yes that's true i would agree with that well well what's up uh i have a song playing in my head and Mm. i am excited for this episode today you had a great idea we're going to talk about one hit wonders yeah so um definitely looking forward to getting into that and It'll be fun because I have a few questions for you in regards to your theory on why things are one hit wonders and maybe what your favorite one hit wonder is. Mm. I thought of, I thought about it in regards to music, but um, I think you maybe had a different interpretation, which is awesome. So why are you looking so perplexed? <laughs> I'm trying to look perplexed. <laughs> I was just thinking about... Uh man, I was just thinking about Ace of Base, um, because no, yeah, but not one hit wonders. Not one hit wonders, but I was thinking about them, and then I was trying to think of what show I recently saw them on. They were actually on Below Deck Mediterranean. One of the singers from Ace of Base. What <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah, oh my gosh, hilarious. you and your your Bravo TV shows. You know, girl. You know, oh my I gosh. love me some Bravo. Which also, um, tonight is the finale of Top Chef, which if you're just tuning in, we've been having a family pool, uh, a Top Chef pool, or everybody had different individuals that have followed throughout the season. It's um, like a Top Chef fantasy league as well. Fantasy league. Thank you. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the correct way to say it. And I'm about to win tonight. I can tell you that. You are very close to winning. And I do have one corrections and retractions from... Our most recent episode uh, where we talked about loving versus Virginia. Mm. I just wanted to clarify something. As I was listening back to that episode, I kept saying public persona, <laughs> which is not what I meant to say. It was public opinion. But I kept oh. saying public persona, which makes no sense to what we were talking about. So for all the people out there that were listening and were like, what the hell is he talking oh, about? What is public opinion. Like sometimes we do this live. We do this in one take. 
Sometimes we just kind of get words stuck in our head. And uh, yeah. And so. the other person is too dumb to pick up on it. Well, I too locked even, in. Yeah. Too locked into the whole story. So my bad I didn't pick up on it and call you. I know that's people love it when we call each other on stuff. So does it does that ever happen to you where you can't think of a word? All the time. Ugh. All the time. I think it's either uh, my aging brain mm-hmm. or um, my genes or maybe if I've had a couple glasses of wine the night before, yeah. you know, it's all actored in. Stress, man. I remember this is a real quick side story. I, when I was taking the Oklahoma bar exam, which we talked about in our very first episode ever, I could not remember the word passenger like i remembered it but i could not figure out how to spell it like not a clue in the world on how to spell passenger on the oklahoma bar exam so i said car guest (laughs) oh my god you probably got extra points for that maybe i don't know very specific but anyway public opinion is what i meant to say not public persona public opinion um i also think i was realizing when listening back that an ober ober what was the Obergefell versus mm-hmm. Hodges? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was 2015, and you said 2016, perhaps. Okay. So it's a correction and a restract- retraction that might need to be corrected and retracted next week. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> what? Any other random corrections and retractions you want to call me out on? <laughs> <laughs> that aren't even right i'm pretty sure 2016 i'm like 98 percent sure it was 2016 but anyway it doesn't anyway it doesn't matter it was too um, damn long was the point that we're mm-hmm, trying to make mm-hmm, exactly so um so before we jump into our one hit <laughs> wonders which is going to be really fun i just want to say that uh we wanted to talk very quickly about Juneteenth, which is tomorrow. If you haven't heard of it or if you're not aware of it, I will fully admit that before this year, I wasn't aware of what Juneteenth is. Juneteenth is uh, June 19th, and it celebrates the day that um, all Black people were finally like liberated from slavery in the United States. So um, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued on January 1st, 1863, but it actually took nearly two and a half years after the announcement of the Emancipation Proclamation for news to get to the slaves in Texas that, um, that it was the end of slavery and the end of the Civil War. Um, so that is why Juneteenth, June 19th is celebrated every year and it's honoring the end, the true end of slavery in the United States. So I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add to that, Lindsay, but it's not recognized as a national holiday yet. Um, however, you can see this year that there has been um, a lot of companies that have decided to honor it as a public holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we will see within the next year that this is um, deemed an, a public national holiday. Um, yeah. So our company has recently decided to honor it, which is um, really incredible. And so I'm looking forward to having that time off tomorrow and to do some more um reflection and education yeah. and in our local park here it's awesome every night at seven o'clock um individuals get together and you hear anybody can get up and speak and talk and they've invited 
um, leaders within the community come and speak and people play music and it's followed by like a peaceful protest in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, and tomorrow they're doing a big pandemic picnic, <laughs> like celebration of Juneteenth, which is Very really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I want to say to that is that, and a lot of people have said it before me, but nobody is free until we are all free. Mm-hmm. and we still got work to do on that so yeah thank you for adding that yep there you go so encourage you to um think about it tomorrow yeah just acknowledge and, it you know yeah exactly so um with that do you want to go first sure you want me to okay. go first mm-hmm. okay. i'm like, so intrigued by what your one hit wonder is that's not a song yeah, so I think that, you know, so One Hit Wonder, you always think of songs. And I will say that this winter, NPR did a really cool piece in the um, on the early morning show. I can't remember what it's called right now. I haven't listened to NPR because I haven't been in a car in so long. Um, but they did a really interesting piece where it was, one hit wonder second best songs and i found so many awesome songs listening to like that <laughs> that thing so one hit wonders everybody like has... discovered new songs or no just like these bands like this was like they oh, had like one mu- hit wonders and then like what was their second best song got ever. it and so cool. they had all these music critics on there talking about oh yeah this band is got this awesome other song that nobody knows about but <clears throat> anyway so one hit wonders yeah everybody thinks about music but I read an article earlier this year by Pat Forty, really good uh, writer, writes for Yahoo and Sports Illustrated, and it was well, it was it was about <laughs> Country House. Have you ever heard of Country House? No. Country House is a four-legged, beautiful auburn red colored. You know where I'm going here? <laughs> Dog. Got a long tail and big mane a horse exactly right (laughs) (laughs) so country house is a racehorse and country house his trainer bill mott and their owners um wanted country house to get into the kentucky derby in 2019 and so to qualify for the kentucky derby you have to rack up enough points to qualify for the kentucky derby well country house won his first race that he ever entered and it was just like a nothing race. Like the competition wasn't very good. He won. It was fine. And then after that, he never really, he wasn't super good. <laughs> like he was just kind of like a middle of the road. And they talked about, it looked like a lot of times he was run. He like ran out of real estate. Like if the race had been longer, like he would have come back and won. And he had like the um, endurance. He a, yeah. He was a closer. Mm. And so they always said, you know, I think he'd do well on these longer tracks. And anyway, so the Kentucky Derby is like five or six months out. Country House still hasn't qualified for the Derby. And so their owner, the owners throw him into the Arkansas Derby. Um, and he comes in a distant second uh, or might have been third. It doesn't matter. But he earned enough points to get into the Kentucky Derby field, which is a massive honor. I mean, that's like a huge deal to get into the Kentucky Derby, right? So 2019 Kentucky Derby comes around. He goes off. The, his owners and the trainer really thought that he had a shot to win until they did the pole position. So, you know, they draw like where they come out of the gates, you know, and country house 
got 20 out of 20. So he was as far away from the oh, rail no. <laughs> as possible. <laughs> and they were like, ah, oh, shit, like this is not going to be great. So, um, so the open betting lines on him were like 25 to one, 26 to one. You could get him. I mean, that's about middle of the road. That's not like he's going to get last, but he's going to be kind of in the middle. By the time the race started, though, it had torrentially downpoured. The track was completely soaking wet, muddy and everything. And Country House, you could get him at 65 to one. So what that means is that you bet one dollar you get 65, which is incredible. Like that's really high odds, right? So like normally the, the favorites go off at two to one or even like, oh. you know, they're, it's a much smaller odds. So the payoff isn't as good. So they, you know, he's got these big long odds. So it's. Meaning if <clears throat> you win on him, you're going to win really big, but you're it's win a lot unlikely of money. that he's going to win obviously, right. which is okay. Got it. Risk, risk versus reward, right? So, like, you're I'm risking not a gambler, so that <laughs> right. So you're risking a little bit, but you you could win a lot, but the mm-hmm. chances of him winning are slim. So, anyway, it is pouring down rain, disgusting in Kentucky Derby, just a sloppy mess down there in Kentucky, and they put all the horses in the in in the gates. They shoot the gate off. All the horses come tearing out and country house is like cruising and they're like, holy moly, like country house is like just chilling. But even like the announcer is like they kind of mentioned him like because they go through each one of the one of the people. But nobody was really paying any attention to him. And his jockey's name was Flavian Pratt, Flavian Pratt. And so nobody was really paying attention to them. They're kind of in the middle. But the owners and the trainer kind of noticed that like he's uh, he's doing a little better than than we anticipated at this stage. Like he was just feeling himself. And so he's cruising and they, he's hanging in and, you know, like I said, he's a closer. And so he, they're coming around the back stretch and they're coming around that final turn for home. And the big favorite in the Kentucky Derby in 2019 was this big old horse named Maximum Security. And so Maximum Security was on the rail. What like a on, dumb name. I'm sorry. I know. All the horses names are stupid. Why did they do that? I don't know. I don't know. understand. It's so stupid. <laughs> um, but anyway, maximum security is coming around the rail and, you know, those stands are massive. Right. And so comes around the rail country houses behind him a little bit and maximum security kind of swings out a little bit as he comes around the rail and country house like cruises in behind him. They keep running all the way down to the wire. Country house is tearing after him. Maximum security is pulling away and, maximum security wins the Kentucky Derby. No, but country house gets second and like his crew, like his owners and the trainers and everybody, they'd already planned their exit because like, as soon as the Kentucky Derby is over, cause that's like, there's like so many races that day. Like that's the last race. Everybody just runs for the exits. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he hit the board, which means he got first, second or third, he hit the board. They were like, Holy moly. Like, Oh my gosh. Like he's going to pay out all this money and everything. And so they're having to like scrap their plans. They're like, we're going to go down here on the, on the track and everything and check them out. Anyway, they go down there and want, they see a jockey is on the phone with the stewards, uh, like the judges and like the race mm-hmm. people making sure everything is legal. And so the owner and the trainer talked to Flavian Pratt, the jockey of country house. And they're like, Hey, you need to call. They, they're calling about, what maximum security did on that last turn. And so what maximum security did on that last turn is for whatever reason, he peeled off of the rail. So that's like the inside and he Mm -hmm. cut off all these horses and almost caused like a massive 
pile accident. Yeah. Big old pileup. And it's really hard to see it live in, in full speed. Like you just kind of don't notice it. Just like the horses are just kind of moving around, but when you slow it down, I mean, he really cut these horses off and it was a, it was an issue. And so. Is that controlled by the jockeys? Yeah. I mean, they control them to an extent, mm-hmm. but then the horses, like some of the ideas here was that when maximum security came around the corner, like that's such a, huge wall of people and a wall of noise that it startled him a little bit and he kind of mm. jumped he kind of jumped to the inside or to the outside oh. and anyway so but everything was okay no problem and so the owners were like telling country houses jockey flavian like hey you call and make a report too like did you see something he's like oh yeah he's like he cut he cut everybody off and push all these people away and so it goes up to the stewards right the kentucky derby has never had a winner taken down because of an infraction ever and all these people i remember watching this live and all these people are like if this was a tuesday race in oklahoma city or something at remington park like that winner is coming down like what he did like what happened that horse did was dangerous and it impeded all these other racers and everything but they're like this is the kentucky derby it's a bigger deal than that 22 minutes so everybody's just sitting around country house is probably enjoying his oats or whatever and just like chilling (laughs) and and 22 minutes the the steward said uh maximum security is coming down and so country house wins the 2019 kentucky derby and everybody is losing their mind he was the biggest underdog to win since 1913 when donna rail won as a 91 to 1 underdog which is insane oh my gosh so 65 to 1 biggest underdog ever they said it was the they're all talking about this and they're like it's the most like unsatisfying Kentucky Derby win that you could even imagine because they got yeah. second. They were excited about that. And then they got first because of a technicality kind of, but they're still Kentucky Derby champions. Right. Whoa. So then everybody's like, so what's the next, so you've heard of the triple crown, right? Right. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So the next race would have been Preakness and then the Belmont to complete the triple crown. So that was the very first question that everybody asked the trainer and the owner, like, Hey, is country house jumping into the Preakness? Uh, is he going to race in the Preakness and go for the triple crown? And they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to, we're going to look at him and see how he's doing and everything. The next day they notice that he's got a fever and he's coughing. Oh. And oh my God. so they issue a press release that says, Hey, country house is not going to race in the Preakness. He's got a little bit of a fever. He's got a little bit of a cough and everybody's he's like feeling a little down. He had to run in the rain. He got <laughs> yeah. cut off. It was a he roller was... coaster of emotion. <laughs> It was a lot of action for oh country God. house. Yeah. This horse that hasn't won a race in like a year and a half and like just gets just does his thing. Um He's like, I didn't go, even want to win. You know, he's got the roses the- draped over him, you know, like all that sort of stuff. But what everybody said was like, Oh, okay, sure. Like he's really sick. Like you guys are just ducking and don't want to run him again because you're afraid that he's gonna get exposed as like a fraud, that he mm-hmm. just like had this crazy run and he shouldn't have won and all this sort of stuff. Oh, excuse me for that little <laughs> bark. I don't know if you could bark. hear that. Um, and so everybody just went off and was like, they're ducking, they're running away from this. Then a couple weeks later, he's got leg swelling. So they still had a chance to run in the Belmont. So everybody's like, well, run him in the Belmont. We'll prove that, you know, he's, he's a badass. Um, but he, his legs started swelling up and he started having bruising and just wasn't, he was really. Tell me this ends well. 
he was really stiff and everything. And he got diagnosed with laminitis, which is like super fatal for horses. And they even told like some of his trainers and some of his people to like go and see him and give him some carrots and some apples. And everybody took that to mean like, you need to go say goodbye. Like he's not going to make it. Um, And the trainer, the head trainer was like, that's not what I meant at all. Like I knew he was going to, he's like a tough horse. Like he's going to be fine. And so he does, he beats laminitis. He beats this virus that he caught. He kicked all of this stuff, which is just shocking. And then they retired him on Valentine's day um, of this year. They announced that he was retiring and he's now four years old. And he's frolicking in the rolling fields of Blackwood stables. And he's preparing to be a stud and create his future lineage and whatever, because that's where the real money is. And this, I got, I'm going to do a quote and then I'm going to wrap this up with one little tidbit, which is really interesting. So this is a quote from Marty McGee, who's a horse writer, writes about horse racing. He said, history will surely judge him as one of the worst derby winners in history. (laughs) And that is probably deserved. (laughs) He goes, through no fault of his own, though, he never got the opportunity to validate what will always be widely considered a fluke. Right. So. But he still got second. He still got second. But get get this, dude. He will always go down. He will always be famous and like this folk hero, not only because he was 65 to one, one of the biggest underdogs ever, not only because he got second and the winner was taken down, but the Kentucky Derby was canceled this year because of COVID. So now he's the longest reigning Kentucky oh Derby champion. Oh my ever. God, yes. Oh so my God. My, my man, Country House just can't help but win he just is like just killing it man that is amazing (laughs) and that's the last race he ever ran and that's it and now i just the idea of like him being four years old he's so young horses live for like quite a long time and he just gets to like live out his life as a winner he looks great and he's just gonna record holder and and procreate for the rest Mm -hmm. of his life he's he's got it set up man oh my god so that's my one hit wonder country is, house. You are so, I love you so much <laughs> for so many things, but you just, the way you like think about things in that was like your one hit wonder story is so good. I love and it. like the Kentucky Derby is so interesting to me. I do not remember that at all, but I mm-hmm. have, I think it's rained the last two years. So like 2019 and 2018, because Dan's mom went, I think it was 2018 and it was a tra- like torrential downpour Mm -hmm. and i think either that same year or one of these last two years amy my best friend Mm -hmm. also went because she was living in kentucky at the time and um just absolutely horrendous conditions which is like got to affect the horses you think oh yeah um but then did you know that like people don't people who like live in kentucky don't go to the kentucky derby like it's so touristy now so now there's like down, it's like the like, Thursday, Thursday yeah, races like, are like the locals then, races. Yeah, Thursday. And then Amy told me that like now it's not Thursdays anymore because those are getting too touristy. So I think now it's like the Wednesday races. Oh my god! I can't remember what they call them, but it's just <clears throat> interesting how like that's so um, iconic and it's really just become this huge like touristy thing. But oh my gosh, what a great story. Thank you so You're much welcome. for sharing. Country house. Country house. <laughs> All right. What do you got for me, girl? Okay. So, well, as I mentioned earlier, obviously I took the like very uh, literal uh, 
kind of concept here yeah, one hit wonder i actually looked up what one hit wonder was classified as on wikipedia <laughs> and it said that it's an entity that achieves mainstream popularity only often for only one piece of work and becomes known among the general public solely for that momentary success um and it's most commonly used in regard to music performers um, one interesting thing that Wikipedia said is sometimes artists dubbed one hit wonders in a particular country have had great success in other countries, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, cause we forget, I think in the U S because so many things make their way here that, um, often stuff is exposed here, but it's been big for a while in other countries. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about someone we've actually talked about on this show before I was thinking who about be? who could it be? Uh, well, first of all, let me tell you about some of the other one hit wonders that I thought could be cool to, to, um, to talk about, but I decided not to come on Eileen by Dexie's midnight runners. You know, mm-hmm. that song Come oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah. is amazing. Um, I believe uh, take on me is also a mm-hmm. one hit wonder. I think so yeah. Um, and there's OMC How Bizarre, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby is probably one of the most iconic one-hit wonders. And the list goes on, Macarena. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to talk about... What about, about... are you talking about Snow and Informer? Because that's one of my favorite one-hit wonders. No, what song uh, is that? Informer. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, I feel like, good one-hit wonders that came, like, out of the 80s. Yes, dude. Yeah. So, um, but my song is actually from 1999, It Comes. Oh, no. What? <laughs> I know what it is. Mambo number five. Oh, my Lou. God. <laughs> Has there ever been a podcast that's had two <laughs> Mambo number, number five, five references and Lou Bega references. Oh but my we didn't God. talk about it in the last time. And That's I don't true. even remember what episode it was and why we were talking about Lou Bega. But <laughs> I know that we talked about the fact that I that was my floor routine music when I yes. was in gymnastics growing up. And you get to a point called optionals and you get to choose what music you want. So anyway, I think it's worth – we can't play the song for you, but this song starts out going, what? Two, three, four, five. Everybody in the car, so come, come on, on, let's ride. ride. <laughs> so, liquor store. liquor store around the corner. <laughs> yeah, we could go on. It's like very. It's an earworm. It just gets totally stuck in your head. Um, so, Mambo Number no. Five, as I mentioned, came out in 1999 by the artist Lou Bega. So, Lou Bega is actually David Lou Bega, and he mm. was yeah. Um, he was born on April 13th, 1975. Guess where Lou Bega is from? Um, Saginaw, Michigan. Okay. <laughs> no. no let, me tr- let me try again. Okay, uh, one more shot. Pocatello, Idaho. Okay, well, I love it. You're actually proving my point. Lou Bega is actually from Munich, Germany. Had no clue he was German whatsoever. So this what? song was actually huge in Europe before it even came to the U.S. Had no clue about this. I had no clue about that either. Yes. So he is actually, um, he was born to a Sicilian mother and a Ugandan father. But he grew up in Germany and still lives in Germany to this day. Um, he is 45 now. And last year was the 20th anniversary of Lou Bega's Mambo number five. So 
there's really not a ton to tell about this song, but I wanted to mention it because it's something that has like a deep connection to me and us and like our my upbringing. And then there are like a few tidbits that I found kind of interesting because one of the things I wanted to talk to you is like, why are there, why are songs one hit wonders? Why are people one hit it's wonders? Yeah, He's please. released like four albums since this album came out in 1999 and you know you could argue that the music's just too good and people are unable to just either from fear of like not succeeding again maybe people don't like release new stuff or things just like never live up to like how good it was um for this particular instance, one of the things in an article I wrote from Vanity Fair that came out earlier this year, uh, at the end of last year, um, it mentioned that his second album actually came out in 2001. And it came out in March of uh, 2001. And in 2001, you know, it was September 11. Right, 9/11, And yeah. um, I think he said that that kind of affected the success. And he wasn't saying it in a way of like, right, oh, yeah. darn that. I didn't see like you know have success but he's like it just wasn't the right time like people didn't want this like real upbeat necessarily yeah. music it just didn't hit also who knows i haven't listened to that album maybe the music just simply wasn't as good but that is also something that could potentially affect um the success of music which is just like how appropriate it is in the moment and like as things are happening yeah um so I thought that was really cool. However, in 2000, um, Mambo Number no. 5 actually was uh, incredibly successful, nominated for a Grammy. He actually, oh gosh, yeah, I had no freaking clue. He was nominated for a Grammy. He actually lost, I believe, to Sting. Um, the Grammy uh, nomination was for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance, and he was nominated alongside Sting. Um, Mark Anthony and Ricky Martin. And as I mentioned, um, Sting actually won that year for Brand New Day. Um, also, side note, 2000 is the year Jennifer Lopez wore that iconic green oh, dress. Oh, yeah. I remember that. that was There's just like so much going on that year. Um, so another factor as to why this song potentially or it became a one-hit wonder and then there might have been not a lot of success for Lubega after this is because he actually got into a seven-year-long legal battle after this song came out about the rights to the song. I'm not mm. super equipped to speak about all the nuances because when it gets to like copyright and things when it comes to music, it's super confusing and like there is different laws in different countries and different labels and stuff. But basically... The like, what do you call it? Like the the instrumentals of the song. Yeah, the instrumentals. The hook of the song is actually originally from a song called "Mambo Number no. 5, which was written by Perez Prado. <laughs> Thank you. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, Perez just a little Prado. A little bit of random knowledge. I was able to just to pull out of thin air right there. I know. And what year <laughs> did he write it? 1949, I believe. Yes. And he's of Cuban descent. And um, so that is where. (laughs) (laughs) What, dude? I don't don't want people to really think that, like, I knew that, like, off the top of my head. (laughs) I just happened to be looking it up at the exact same time. You're not listening to me. You're just fact checking me. No, it's perfect. It's actually, I was listening to Perez Prado's Mambo Number Five, which is like instrumental. Um, Mm -hmm. He has written a lot of Mambo songs. He's kind of known as like the king of Mambo. Um, Anyway, 
I was listening to it earlier and it's awesome. I was like, I feel like I want to listen to it while I make dinner tonight and stuff. So highly recommend. Um, but basically Lou Vega and his team got into um, a long legal battle with, uh, by this time Perez Prado had actually passed on, but with his uh, family, I believe right, yeah. about the rights to the song. So um, that also could have been an effect a factor as to why this was kind of a one hit wonder. Um, but Lou Bega is still performing to this day. And um, apparently is he lives with his wife and his son in Germany. And as I think from all accounts from this article and from some stuff that I found, he's very much like considers this like a blessing. And he just says that like, yeah, he can't believe that it's been 20 years. Time goes by so quickly. And he's very thankful for the success that he's had. And he's like totally willing to like, jump up and sing this song and um you know so, like, like own it what and maybe you're getting to it but like what makes it a one-hit wonder like did you article that you read like was there like any i mean he just hasn't had any notable success or anything come out since then that has topped the charts the way this song did so you that's think, like, what the... I would kind of argue, I guess, is like this was in like Billboard Top 40 in the right, US like, and like around the globe. That song so good, so popular as opposed to those other songs. Do you think it comes down to because like when I think about a lot of one hit wonders, they're all like kind of kitschy. Like There's like mm-hmm. Ice Ice Baby or, you know, there's like some type of like repeating thing. It's almost like once you hear one, you're like, oh, this is going to be a one hit wonder. And you hope they're not. You don't want the artist to have that kind of life but you can almost tell like when you hear it yeah that's an interesting point i think maybe the for me like i just love this term earworm it's pretty gross but it it's also disgusting and it's... Never say it again. <laughs> but it's so but isn't it so true though it's just that song that like when you hear it, it gets stuck in your head you can kind of like remember it anytime someone brings it up so come on, Eileen, another one hit wonder, arguably one hit wonder, maybe not is a thong song by Cisco. Oh. Cisco is interesting because he also is like a part of Drew Hill, yes. um, which I didn't realize, but I was doing some research on that um, earlier because I was like, Should, do I want to talk about Cisco? Because that song is also an earworm. Um, and, and I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure that somebody called Cisco a one hit wonder one time, like in an interview and he lost it. And he was yeah. like, I am not a one hit wonder. Like he's I've really got a successful. He's, he yeah, is he's... dude. Drew Hill. And even him, he had a lot of success after thong song. But if you ask our not parents, like that song, though, right? Not like that song, dude. That was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> he's a beast. dude. I'm actually going to listen. Now you're making me want to listen to Drew Hill and sweet nineties R and B for the rest of yeah. the day. You should. You absolutely should. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, we would love to hear from you. Like what makes it a one hit wonder? Why? Um, I, but I think that we're both maybe right. It gets stuck in your head. You can kind of like always pull it from like out of nowhere when someone brings it up. And then I think it's also kind of kitschy. Maybe it's like, it's not the most like artistic and not to say it's not artistic. Cause I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at that, but it's just like, this one's like, you know, he's talking about all the different like women he's kind of like had conquests with. And, you know, yeah. it's not like a super artistic in terms of like poetry and stuff, you know, like it's kind of something that's like different as it hits. Mm-hmm. So it's like something that you're not hearing on that pop channel very much a lot of times. You know, it's something like a little like that Lord Royals song. And I'm not going to call her a one hit wonder because her career is still super young. But 
that was like a different type of it just sounded it different yeah, yeah. it's just like so who let maybe the dogs out like, that's what i thought you were gonna oh do. <laughs> oh really oh my gosh oh yeah On the baja that song man right now i'm like yeah who let the dogs out we all know that or blue that song blue oh my gosh that's i don't know who that's by the barbie song oh my gosh these are so good <laughs> <laughs> there's Dude, so many that's so interesting about lou bega though i had no idea no yeah. idea he was he was german he's got a great look too like i remember that his style was just yeah man. and he still performs he's he wears like a top hat and a, like a i don't know like a 17 piece suit it's wears like a fedora a... and like a yeah, yeah. Like a pinstripe suit he apparently spent some time in Miami when he was growing up, which is where he also was kind of like influenced mm. by the music, which then relates back to Perez Prado, who is of Cuban descent. And so Got it's you. just cool how people are like influenced as you travel and spend time in other places. And I think that Lubega, even though he's like German by way of upbringing, and he also is influenced by his Italian ancestry and his Ugandan ancestry as well. So like, that's yeah, cool. It's man. Super cool. So check it out. Uh, let us know what your favorite earworm one hit wonders are. <laughs> Gosh. Something like I didn't hear it. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Adios. Love you. I love you too. Why aren't you saying love you, kiddo, anymore? Oh, love you, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Filling Station pod. Mallory and I are having a fantastic time delivering you these hilarious and uplifting stories. If you want to be involved with the podcast, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Filling Station pod, or you can email us at the Filling Station pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.